When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be talking about a show that was also brand new to me, as the majority of the shows we've been covering, except for our last episode, Six Feet Under, have all been new to me pretty much. And I really did enjoy this one. I want to tell a funny little story about this. And this is just me being stupid because if I'd remembered what this was based on and then it was from a a Joe Hill graphic novel, I, I should have known better. But I swear I saw some kind of trailer that gave me the impression that this was geared more towards younger kids. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know how much I'm in it. And it felt very Harry Potter-ish to me. And I, in the trailer, and I'm like, I don't like Harry Potter. Sorry, everybody. It's just not my cup of tea. And I don't really like, you know, that that's the fantasy genre is usually not my cup of tea. So I was like, okay, uh, well, I love Sasha, who's going to be on today. So I'm going to watch it for her. I'm doing this for her. And then the first five minutes started, and I went, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> this is so not like that. So, you know, it is a little twisty. So I like that. It's dark. It's definitely not for kids. Definitely not for kids. It may have kids in it, but it's not for kids at all. So, yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised by that. But just to let you know, if you don't know what Lock and Key is about, and we are going to be spoiling stuff. So, if you want to watch Lock and Key, and if you haven't read the graphic novels, although I haven't read them, and I'm getting, Sasha has. Sasha is really, really, really into this, and I'm really happy that she's here because I'm going to let her geek out as much as she wants to. <laughs> so if you haven't read those, if you haven't watched the show, and you don't want to be spoiled, stop this, come back later, and listen to it later. Okay, so once again, this is from the from IMDb, although I think this one is not as bad or cheesy as some of the other ones. but. Uh, the plot for Lock and Key is as follows. After their father is murdered under, mis- under mysterious circumstances, the three Lock siblings and their mother move into their ancestral home, Key House, which they discover is full of magical keys that may be connected to their father's death. And Lock and Key is, like I said, based on the graphic novel by Joe Hill. It stars Darby Stanchfield as Nina Locke, Connor Jessup, who I have to say briefly before even gets, I love this actor. <laughs> he is so damn good. And I cannot believe he's 28 years old. Anyway, okay. Plays uh, Tyler Locke. Amelia Jones plays Kinsey Locke. Jackson Robert Scott plays Bodie Locke. Patrice Jones plays Scott Cavendish. 
uh, Aaron Ashmore, who is part of the Twin Ashmore Brothers, <laughs> who I love him too, plays Duncan Locke or Dunk, Uncle Dunk. And there are a bunch of other people. I'm just going to stop. Oh, no, I've got to make sure to say. And uh, Sherry Sound plays Ellie Whedon. And also Brendan Hines plays Josh Bennett. And there are a ton of other people in this show too, but I just wanted to mention some of them there. Um, and then I'm just going to give you a couple of trivia and then I'm going to ask uh, Sasha, what she, Sasha what she's into right now in pop culture, but some trivia here. So this is the third pilot based on the comic book series Lock and Key and the third attempt at an adaptation. The first pilot was shot in 2010 by Fox. Whoa, big surprise, but was not picked up by them. That's a shocker. Fox, we know Fox's, you know, legendary <laughs> reputation. It was screened the following year at San Diego's Comic-Con, though, so interesting there. And the second failed attempt was a movie adaptation by Universal Studios. And also, interestingly enough, this third adaptation, this pilot was originally shot for Hulu, who decided to pass on the pilot, and it was then picked up by Netflix. Kinsey's Head Mall is the same Starcourt Mall from Stranger Things. I thought that was kind of interesting. Tom Savini, who, who the Savini squad takes their name from. And Tom Savini is like, if you don't know who Tom Savini is, please look Tom Savini up. He is like the godfather of special effects and makeup effects. And really, you have seen his work if you're a horror fan. Even if you're not a horror fan, I'm sure you have seen his work in a lot of things. But he plays the hardware shop clerk who gives Bodhi the jar of keys, just in case you didn't know that. And in the final episode of season one, the ambulance driver, the, the ambulance driver, excuse me, with the beard is lock and key creator Joe Hill. Who, if you, if you don't know who Joe Hill is, Joe Hill is famously the son of Stephen King, if you didn't already know this. Um, the intro, and the intro of each episode reveals which key is going to be used and what it does. And, whoops, I almost read a spoiler to one of our things we're going to be talking about. So, never mind. Not going to read what key I want, want yet. So, when we get to that part of our outline, I will go over, I won't go over in detail what each key does. I will just give over the names of the keys because we won't have time to go over the detail of each key. And that'll be kind of annoying. Uh, but before we dive into lock and key and Sasha gets to just geek out as much as she wants before we do that. And I'll also have some trigger warnings for this one as well. I want to know, Sasha, what are you into right now in pop culture? I am watching She-Hulk attorney at law on Disney plus just because I needed something light and fluffy that requires zero brain cells and is nothing but cotton candy fluff for my brain because uh, I'm back in a building with students again for the first time in over a decade, and teaching high school is like the wild freaking West. So I need something that I can come home and not have to think about. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I can only only imagine. So yeah, I, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. I've, I've heard nothing but good things. I mean, it's, I'm, it's yeah. fun. Uh, she breaks the fourth wall, and uh, it's just, it's mindless brain candy it's just fun yeah someday i'll check it out i mean i have my long list but someday i will yes yes um and what i'm into is there's a new movie out that you can watch on uh paramount i'm not paramount sorry on peacock or it is in the theaters as well i watched it on peacock and that's honk for jesus save your soul and this stars regina hall the amazing regina hall and the amazing sterling k brown they are 
basically they lead a mega church. And in the aftermath of a huge scandal, Trinity Childs, the first lady of a prominent Southern Baptist megachurch, attempts to help her pastor husband, Lee Curtis Childs, rebuild their congregation. It is a comedy, but it's also got a lot of heavy critique of the church. I won't comment too much on it because I do think it's important with this movie to listen to black critics and because I really think they are more knowledgeable and will know more and have a better understanding and have a better critique of this. I did think it was really good. And I thought Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall were really good. Regina Hall is fan freaking tastic in this movie. So I do recommend it. But like I said, definitely give the floor and the voice more over to to black critics, critics when it comes to media like this. I just want to put that out there. So. Okay, so we are going to be getting into lock and key now. Now, first, I'm going to give some trigger warnings. So first off, trigger warning for suicide. Uh, trigger warning for mental health issues in general. Um, trigger warning for alcoholism, gun violence. So first of all, Sasha, I know that you did read the graphic novel. I know you you love this show a lot, a lot, and love the whole lock and key franchise in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so what were your overall thoughts on this show? And did you like this adaptation since you loved this already? This Yes. Um, so I, my introduction to lock and key came actually in the audio version of it. It was a radio drama and my husband and I listened to it on a road trip because he only likes radio dramas. He doesn't like regular audiobooks. If there are not sound effects and multiple voices, he won't do it. So I had to like <laughs> find radio dramas. And we'd already done the entire like Narnia series and we did a bunch of Star Wars books and stuff like that. So I found this and was like, well, it's Joe Hill. Like, it's got to be good, right? So we listened to it and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then just based on the audio, I was like, I have to find the graphic novels. I need to see how they represent the keys in the story because the keys are the entire crux Mm -hmm. of the story. And so I got the graphic novels and the graphic novels are, I'm going to put emphasis on graphic. There's a lot more blood and gore in the comic version. It's a lot grittier. This adaptation is definitely toned down and made more for TV. I love this adaptation. I love the live action of it. I was super excited to see the world that they created. So I think they did justice to it. Mostly, I think they did justice to it because um, Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez had a hand in it. And so that when the creator has a hand in it, I think it always turns out better and truer to their vision, I guess. So I love this version. It's been a while since I've read the graphic novels. I actually picked up the first one while I was watching it to kind of thumb through it and went, oh yeah, this was way grittier and just dark. And I mean, it opens with like a bloody scene. So yeah, I I am head over heels for this this version and I know I warned Aaron that I was going to geek out because I really love this world and the concept of it but you did steal two of my comments I was going to make about the cameos with Tom Savini no you're good because it was I was so excited for Tom Savini to be in it when I saw him I squealed I was like he's in it and so I have trivia for you about Tom Savini because he did the makeup on Stephen King's creep show Mm -hmm. yeah he did the special effects and Joe Hill little baby joe was the kid in it 
Tom Savini yeah. babysat Joe Hill like regularly. Oh, I didn't know they that. Were friends because Stephen King and Tom Savini were friends, and so Joe Hill apparently grew up in that world and got babysat. So I think that's how that all spawned. And then, yeah, in the very final episode of season one, it is Joe Hill is the one with the beard, but the other paramedic is Gabriel Rodriguez, who is the co-creator. Okay. So they were both. It's they were the paramedics at the end of the, in the finale of season one. So that was the other one that I wanted to mention because I geeked out. I love it when they do that because Stephen King does that too. Um, All the Hitchcock, time. Like Hitchcock did it. So I like it when the artist interjects himself for something dumb. You know, like <laughs> I'm a paramedic. I have a half a line. It's fine. You know, my paramedic buddy doesn't say a word, but it's okay. We're like, we're good. We're in the, we're in the show. <laughs> Done. So that's part of why I think I love this. They're just, it's, it, they're having fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, this was a first watch. This is my first introduction to this whole universe. So this is all I know from it. So I can't speak on the adaptation at all. Like I said, I was pleasantly surprised that this was dark and twisted. And I would be in, I mean, I like it a lot, but I would be interested to see, you know, or if there was any footage of the other one that didn't get picked up by Fox or the movie version or something to see if there was any uh any if it was grittier maybe or if it was bloodier i would just be curious and i'd also be curious because i couldn't find it if um if the creators were involved in those adaptations too i don't know that at all but that would be interesting and i'm sure there's footage out there somewhere since it was at san diego comic-con of the one in 2010 it's got to be there somewhere we got to google it on the youtube <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and find that. Uh, but I did like this a lot. This, you know, it's it's interesting because I think Joe Hill, you can tell that he is related to Stephen King. Uh, and I know he's not the sole creator. And so thank you, Sasha, because I that was on me. I should have said both of the creators there. But you can still see Stephen King's influence in this. I think the most the the thing that this reminds me of the most and there was actually a lot of trivia like some of the actors in this have were in it the latest adaptations of it and like older versions of it and this reminds me a lot of it in some ways as far as the kids and also a lot of the kids that you see like when you see the younger version of the dad um, of the father that that dies in the beginning when you see that younger version and all his friends who are now older. Some of them you do meet throughout it. Um, and then of course there's Ellie's like in it throughout the whole thing. And she was a friend of the Locke's father. And so I think it's really interesting to see that past and then the present together and seeing two sets of kids, you know, high school age and then younger going through this and learning the keys and what I also find very fascinating about this whole uh, universe, and of course it changes a little bit later as the seasons go on, is that once you get to 18, you forget everything. What I found so interesting about that is I think that's very true of a lot of things like this that are, I mean, th this is a lot of supernatural elements to it, um, a lot of fantastical elements to it. And I think when you're younger, it's so much easier to believe in that stuff 
that it's easier for that stuff to happen. You're not, you don't have a lot of the junk of the real world on you. You don't have a lot of the cynicism. You're not cynical as much. You're much more open to believing. And so that's what was so interesting to me is it's like, you know, because you watch Uncle Dunk, he knew all this stuff and he'd forgotten it all. And then when he gets it all back, watching him having to deal with that. But just the fact that once you turn 18, all of that information gets taken away says so much about that precipice of adulthood and what that means and what you lose. Um, and I think that's a lot of what it's it's commenting on is how you lose not only your innocence, but your sense of wonder and your sense of knowing that maybe that this isn't all there is in the universe. And I mean, a lot of the stuff they experience is not beautiful, but some of it is beautiful. And it's so I, the, yeah, it's the giving up of the fantastical and the magic. Yes, exactly. In favor of reality. And now I have to pay bills. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Yes. And you watch that happen, you know, with Tyler's girlfriend who ends up dying and and her slowly losing her memories because she's about to be 18. Which was heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. That was really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then when you watch when people choose to lose their memories and they don't want them anymore, like Tyler goes through that and and then watching people learn this stuff when they're adults, like watching Nina, the mom gain this knowledge as well was just you know and using it to deal with a lot of her own um, guilt over her alcoholism and how that affected her family through the years when she's going and using like the memory key and all that stuff to go and look at her old old life and all of that and so that that was probably i think the most fascinating part to me that it was such a commentary on what we lose and how it would be nice to have some of that still when you're an adult. I mean, I've always said like kids and babies and stuff see stuff that we don't see all the time. And kids lose that when they, a lot of kids lose that when they get older because they keep getting told by adults that stuff isn't real. And so the more you're told that, the more you kind of shut that part of yourself off. That's always been my belief. And I think this shows that. I wholeheartedly agree with that too. Yeah. And I, and I wonder, you know, when this was created, if that was part of it, if that was the influence there, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's what Joe Hill and Gabriel, Gabriel Rodriguez intended, but I'm sure it was, I'm sure that maybe they were dealing with some of their own stuff there. And especially, you know, I think if you grow up around a world of make-believe anyway, like Joe Hill did and and stuff and and growing up around that and then you get older and how do you still hang on to that and keep it and of course I think with him it's being a creator and all of that and also you know he I I don't know if this is why he did this but it famously you know Stephen King is very vocal about this Stephen King had a lot of addiction issues when he was younger so I don't know if making you know making the mom have alcoholism had anything to do with that and I don't know gabriel rodriguez's history at all but yeah did yeah, you know i'm not i don't know about that one either but um i'm i can see it drawing a parallel mm-hmm. i can totally see that i also find it very interesting that um the first one to find the key is Bodhi, who is the youngest yeah sibling. yeah and so it's the most innocent hoping you all can hear my heavy air quotes on innocent because he turns into a jack wagon later he, he redeems himself but there's a moment where i'm like i 
this kid needs to go through the ghost door and not come back. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, he's the most innocent. And so he's the first one to find it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once he explains it to his siblings, I'm jumping the gun on the Locke family. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Really. Since it's just us, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I And watching also watching, you know, with, with he's a, ch- the actor who plays him is a child. Like, like I said, with with um, Connor Jessup, and then um, I think Amelia Jones is also, well, she's a, and she's actually from the UK. If you didn't know, she is British. No. Um, yeah. So I don't know why I decided to try and do a little bit of a British <laughs> accent there. It didn't really British. work very well. <laughs> she's, she's British. Um, well, she's she's only twenty, so she's not as old. But but still, usually when they have teenagers, they're usually played by adults usually and stuff like this but with jackson robert scott who plays Bodie, he's he's a kid and you watch him you watch the actor grow older as well while you're watching this and i don't know why that was so interesting to me but it's always interesting watching that i think in shows and watching the actor mature as well so we're gonna go ahead and get into the Locke family then since we've already talked about that a little bit so i want to know and i'll say again who the Locke family is so you have nina Locke, tyler Locke. Kins, well, Nina Locke is the mom. Tyler Locke is the oldest kid. Then Kinsey's the middle. And then Bodie is the youngest. And then you've got Uncle Dunk. I just want to just call him Uncle Dunk because I just think that's the better way. It's how he needs to be referred to. Yes. And he's obviously the uncle. Yes. It's not just like a nickname. He is no. the uncle. He's he's the brother of, why am I forgetting you know, father, Rendell, Rendell Locke. And so they're, they're brothers. And um, yeah, so I want to know your overall thoughts on the Locke family as a whole. And you can even comment on the performances as well. And then who your favorite member of the family is. So I think the Locke family as a whole, I love the dynamic of, um, okay so let's start tyler you know they lose the dad and tyler automatically steps up and he's trying to be the responsible older brother make sure that his younger sister kinsey and that Bodie are okay and they have some really cute um interactions because they're they play this game what is it the whack-a-bodie mm-hmm. you know so he runs around and they're trying to catch him and it's like whack-a-mole it's just super adorable, this whack a that they do. But Tyler is trying to be an adult, but still a kid. So that whole struggle that he has. Nina, the mom, is, you've already mentioned, alcoholic, feels immense guilt over it. And she then feels guilty for up and moving her family from Seattle to Massachusetts, where Key House is. Um, which is super cute, because it's the Locke family in Key House. It's not called Key House in the comics. I think it's like um lovecraft or something oh yes it, it, it yeah because yeah of, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's more that's i think that's why it's also darker in the the comics it's got that lovecraftian feel to it but i like the dynamic of the Locke family i got really excited when uncle dunk came in and he kind of brought some levity his character was painful to watch as they were trying to get him to remember and he couldn't you know, anytime the adults saw any magic and they couldn't process it in their brain, it was hard to watch because it was like they were losing part of themselves mm-hmm. and not able to find it. So that was a struggle. But I liked Bodhi in the f- first season for a little bit. He got really kind of whiny and annoying later. 
and then kind of redeemed himself. But th- I feel like that's a little kid growing up. It is a little kid growing up. <laughs> you know, so I think there was definitely some growing pains. But he did a lot of things that I just thought were dumb. And it was like, stop. Why? Why? You released the evil from the wellhouse because you thought it was your echo? Like, and you even saw her, not your echo. Don't hand over a key. Gotta be smarter, kid. You know, so he started the whole spiral of, of events. But I like the Locke family. I really liked the flashbacks with Rendell when they were doing, you know, like family events and they were remembering when all of them were together as mm-hmm. a unit. I really, those were beautiful, beautiful moments. So yeah, I like them as a whole. My, I don't know. I like, I want to say Tyler, but he struggled so much. I really liked Kinsey. I totally get why she would remove her fear at one point. I didn't like her with her fear removed. She was kind of reckless, I guess, which you would be if you didn't have fear stopping you. So that was a really good portrayal of somebody who has no fear and is just like gung-ho, doesn't think about things. I think the acting by everybody, I think, was stellar. I think the acting was on point. So I'm torn between... Tyler and Kinsey just Tyler because he was trying so hard to hold the family together and he made some really really difficult decisions that he thought were the right ones in the moment and just watching him go through that agony and then Kinsey just for her spitfireiness <laughs> I think is how I would go but you know and uncle I like them all uncle dunk was just adorable yeah he's just cute yeah. So, yeah. 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 I, I overall I, I like this family a lot. I like the family dynamic. I like the sibling dynamic, especially between Tyler and Kinsey. I because you know, Bodie was is is younger and you know, as you see in some of the memories you get to see when um when Nina announces, you know, tells her husband that she's pregnant again and how it's, he's kind of like the surprise child they weren't planning on having. And I, you know, I, so I like the dynamic and you see though, you see that even though they're all very close, especially Tyler and Kinsey, there is a little strain there ever since their dad died. You can feel that there. And it's even in the first season, you see a little bit of that. Kinsey's feeling very, very lost and Tyler kind of can find his way at first and, you know, can find a crowd to hang out with. And then of course, Kinsey eventually does, but Kinsey, I think feels so much like an outcast and she ends up, you know, dying her hair and doing all of that. And I really related to that. And so in the first season, she was definitely my favorite because of all of that struggle she's going through and not being able to find her place. And I think she feels like, I don't know, like, I got the impression she kind of felt like her family was moving in the opposite direction of where she wanted them to go. And I think she, maybe she had the, I'm an older, I'm the oldest child, so I can't relate to this, but she might've had like a middle child syndrome going on there where she's kind of stuck in the middle, doesn't know which way to go. She's struggling with her mom and you see all of them struggle with, with their, with their mother's alcoholism because you can tell this has been the family struggle for years and years. And it was before even the father died. So this was always a constant there. And there is an episode 
where, and this is really before they're really believing in, before Kinsey and Tyler are believing in the keys and all of that stuff. And you see they're struggling because they believe their mom is falling off the wagon and is drinking again. And watching their torment and their heartbreak in that was really, really sad. And the differences in them, because like Sasha said, Tyler is definitely the one that he's like, okay, I've got to be the strongest one. He's always got to be the strongest one. I've got to take care of everybody. I've got to make the tough choices. I've got to put aside sometimes my needs. Um, he doesn't always, you know, he leaves at the end of season two and doesn't come back right away and see, I mean, he does, but you know, he's gone for a little bit in season three. He doesn't want to remember stuff anymore. And that's because he suffered another terrible loss. And so he's kind of, he's so strong that I think there is a point where he does kind of break a little bit. Uh, Cause that's a lot of pressure for someone who is just barely, you know, out of their teens. They're not even out of their teens yet. And to have to, that pressure of being basically the head of the family in some way, you've got a mom who's falling apart and with grief and then also has addiction issues. And then you've got a sister who's also dealing with the fact that she doesn't feel like she belongs and all of that. So that dynamic was really sad to watch. And what I think is interesting about having Bodhi be the first one to find anything, it makes sense. And I will say, I'm really glad. And like I said, I wasn't familiar with this stuff before that it wasn't this thing where Bodhi knew for like a whole season and the other family didn't find out until the end. That would have really annoyed me because that's been done a million times and it's just like, okay, whatever. So I like the fact that Tyler and Kinsey knew. And then of course they start letting their friends in and all of that, just kind of repeating the same patterns. It's the family repeating the same patterns. So, which was interesting, but with having Bodhi find it first, it makes sense because he is the youngest. And so in this dynamic where you have, once you get 18, you're forgetting all this stuff it makes sense that the youngest would be the first one to explore it and that the youngest would be the most intrigued and have no real, there's a little bit of fear, you know, you can see a little bit of fear, but he's more curious than anything else. Plus, you know, he's the youngest and he's feeling probably a little bit like on the outside and, you know, everybody's dealing with all this heavy stuff and he still wants to be just a young kid and explore and play. And so now he's got this opportunity to do that. And I liked that he was the first one that found it. But like I said, I'm glad everybody else found out. But I think like they say, when you have the keys for a while, it can turn you into somebody else and it can turn you into kind of power hungry and kind of a brat and kind of like, no, I don't want to take this away. And he is in the end, the last one that wants the magic to go away because Tyler pretty much says, we need to stop this and we need to destroy these keys. At, which makes sense because of how it can turn people and make them, you know, more egotistical, less caring and more just wrapped up in magic and stuff like that. So watching him go through that of wanting all that, that power and that beauty. And I think the reason he wanted that, this is my theory, especially with the final episode, and we'll get into that episode later, is I think he wanted that because number one, it was, he could be a kid again and be like playing and stuff. The other part is it was such a connection to his dad. And I think that's the case for a lot of them is this was a connection to their dad, a part of their dad they never knew. And since they're never going to see their dad again, they think they end up seeing him again with the keys. I think that's why it was such 
uh, a powerful draw for them because this was their dad. This was a piece of their dad. And it's like when you're a kid and even when you get older, you may not know all the stuff about your parents when they were your age. And so getting to know that side, I think was also a big draw. And I think really for Bodhi, especially since he got the least amount of time with his dad, it was, I think, what really, really intrigued him about it and what, why he really didn't want to let it go. And you really see that in the finale. Um, but yeah, but but my favorite uh, ended up being Tyler because I just, I I loved watching his journey and and I my heart broke for him like over and over and over again. And he was probably the most sensitive of all of them and, a, and the most empathetic in a lot of ways. And also, I think it's the whole little, I always relate more to the older siblings, being an older sibling myself. I relate to that of wanting to make sure everything's okay and taking care of everything and forgetting about yourself and that whole thing. Uh, but yeah, so I really, really liked him. And I think all the performances are great. Like I've already said, I I just, I think they're fantastic. And I always love seeing one of the Ashmore twins. I just really love them. <laughs> and I was really, really pleasant. I was like, oh, I didn't know he was in this because I didn't really look up a lot of the cast beforehand. So yeah. Because you thought it was Harry Potter-esque. And then you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, God, I don't want to do this, but Sasha loves it and wants to do it. So I'm going to take one for the team. And then you went, oh. <laughs> That's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, okay. I can handle <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. So like I said, there are a ton of other characters in here in this show throughout. So Sasha, do you have a favorite? You can name a couple of favorite and your general thoughts on them. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm going to start with a not favorite but I have to give a shout out to uh, the actor Kevin Durand, who plays Gideon in the final season, who is like the, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? He's the bad guy. He's, it's, it's, well, he's like a demon. They're like yeah. demons. Um, yeah, he's like the ringleader of the demons who gets resurrected. 
So I just want to give a shout out about that actor because um, he was terrifying. Yeah, I agree. In his evilness. Terrifying. And he's an imposing gentleman because I think he's like 6'6". So he's a big dude. And he... um, he was extremely terrifying. My biggest complaint about him is you're a brand new demon who came out of the well. How do you sort out how all the keys work? You don't have anybody telling you how the keys work yet. Magically, you know them all. I struggled with the third season with my suspension of disbelief for a couple of moments. <laughs> and we all know that's a problem for Sasha. Once I lose it, I lose it. But he, I just want to talk about his performance just because it was so good on the evil end. The other character, the Savinis, I loved all of the Savinis. They were filming a mm-hmm. horror movie with Nathropoda, who is a giant lobster person avenging yeah. thing. I don't know. I still <laughs> don't know what was happening. I'm not really sure I understood the plot, but they made a movie and it was awesome. And then they were doing, you know, the splattering too. Like it's a whole big thing that they're doing. So I loved the Savinis and I loved that the locks brought them into the key world and let them know about the key. They used the keys for the filming so that they could do these special effects with plants and different things. And everybody's like, man, those special effects were awesome. How'd you do it? Oh, it was magic. <laughs> it was magic. Uh-huh. Sure was. So I, I really like the Savinis and I like how they lined up with Rendell, the dad, and his group, mm-hmm. and that parallel of Rendell had these friends, and they were the keepers of the key, and now the lock kids have the keys, and they're bringing their friends in as like the next generation of the keepers of the keys. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I thought that I liked that a lot. I liked the parallel there, and watching. Yeah, I love the Savini. I mean, I'm I'm a film geek. I've been a film geek forever, and I was a theater geek, and so this would have been the group I would have hung out with in high school for sure. And to be making a horror movie and to be, yeah, that was like, that's totally my group of people. I loved them. And I, you know, I love the, the Savini thing, especially with more of the trivia that you were telling me about that. And, and I mean, really Tom Savini is like, you know, aces up there and we wouldn't have a lot of the stuff, you know, we wouldn't have famous scenes like, Kevin Bacon's death in the first Friday the 13th and all that kind of stuff without him. And, you know, and, and so having that legacy go on, especially with younger generations that I don't know, sometimes they know or are familiar unless they're film geeks, they would be, but I liked that a lot. And, um, and I really, I love the character of Scott who sadly kind of dissipates a little bit when the show keeps going on. But I liked him a ton. Plus, I just love any time I get to listen to British accents, English accents. They're the they're the best. So <laughs> I liked that a lot. Uh, and and I loved. Um, there was something about this is not really weird, but there's something about the ice cream shop that he worked at in the beginning. And then one of the first things Bodhi does is he goes to the ice cream shop with the key. That's one of the first things he does with the key to get a bunch of ice cream. And I don't know why I love that so much. I think because ice cream shops to me, like that kind of ice cream shop, they seem like fantastical to me. Like they don't really, I know they exist, but do you know what I mean, Sasha? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's like, um, 
it's like your own personal Willy Wonka without all of the terror associated yes, with it. Like you just need to go in and have fun because it's not, it's that old school candy shop ice cream parlor feel. It's not the, where you walk into Baskin Robbins and there's 31 flavors and you have to go uh, Rocky Road, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, it's like the whole feel of it. It's also small town. So it's got that small town comfort. I totally get what you're saying with the ice cream shop because I yeah. I love that that's where Bodhi went too when he finds the key and he's like, boom, ice cream shop. Okay. And comes back with the ice cream and it's like, what? I, well, and I could relate to that because right at the same time, like right now, all I want to eat is ice cream. Like I just even craving it like crazy and I don't have any ice cream right now. I might after we're done recording, go get some ice cream. But anyway, but so then I'm watching that. I'm like, I want to be able to just take a key and go to an ice cream shop anytime I want to. So I I don't know. There was something about that. And so I think because Scott worked there and I sort of associated with the, him with that the first time. And I really loved him and Kinsey together. I They had great chemistry. And, you know, I loved the fact that, you know, she felt like such an outsider. She was teased when she first got there, not treated very well. And I liked that he took her in and saw, I mean, well, he's basically like, I see another one of us, of my group of people. I see another one of us. And so I really, really enjoyed watching that as well. And I agree. I And like I said, I love the parallel. I do want to give a shout out just because um, the actress, I've watched her in a lot. I've watched her since Sunset Beach. <laughs> this is so, the, the Sherry Selm, I'm sure I'm butchering your last name. I apologize, Sherry. But who plays Ellie, who was one of the childhood friends. I really enjoyed watching her because... Oh, man, she is going through a hell of a lot of stuff throughout this show. And she has so many secrets and she remembers so much. And you can watch as an adult. That's what was so interesting is watching adults deal with this as opposed to younger kids. And watching the adults, it's very traumatizing. It's very traumatic. And for her, she's dealing with all this trauma, all this guilt, all this uh, not knowing what to do, not knowing who to trust. And I just found her very sad. And I was really worried throughout the whole series that she was going to die. I was always thinking, (laughs) I was like, she's going to die. I just know she's going to die. So I was very, very happy when that didn't happen. Because I really, I was worried about her like so, so much, so much, so Well, and kind of technically she did go into the void for a little bit, but she came back Yeah, and she had Rufus. Yes. Her son was adorable. Yeah. He was such a great character. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt when, um, when Bodhi's, um, when the bad Bodhi, the evil Bodhi was there and how awful Bodhi was to Rufus and a bunch of people, not just Rufus, but how awful Bodhi was. And, you know, Rufus really, you know, thought of Bodhi as like one of his only friends. And that was really sad to watch. But right. And Rufus knew though. Rufus is like this Rufus is knew not immediately. Bodhi. Yeah. Yeah. He was because, the only one that yeah. sorted it out. Yeah. Everybody else is like, dude, why are you being a bag of dicks? Like, stop. <laughs> I know. Like, is like, you're not my friend. You're freaking Dodge. 
I'm like, can't you people, you people know about this stuff? I was so shocked that I really got it. I'm like, I know Bodhi can be a bratty little kid, but that, but this is not like <laughs> some of that stuff. I did laugh at some of the lines that were because of the way he delivered them. I did laugh a couple times, but I was like, come on, people, don't you know <laughs> what's going on here? But yeah, so I I think overall, though, that all the characters, all the side characters are really interesting and all the other additional um, cast are really good. I, you know, I want to say most of the shows we've been covering lately, the casting is just amazing. There are so many good actors in this show that give such great performances and they all work really well together. Like their chemistry is really, really good to watch. I think all the siblings have amazing, amazing chemistry together. They work really well. I would be heartbroken if it came out later that certain actors like hated each other and didn't like working together because they all play so well together. I would be so sad if it was, oh yeah, the people who played Tyler and Kinsey actually hate each other and it took all of their willpower to work together. Be like, no. (laughs) Well, when I was doing a little bit of like, I was looking on social media and stuff because I went and followed some of these people that we weren't following. Some of the actors, I followed Connor Jessup and um, I guess we were already following him on Twitter, but I followed him on Instagram. And you know, one of his bio says, I I love this, says straight for pay, playing straight for pay. So (laughs) I love that. Uh, But he has all these pictures on his Instagram of him and the cast when they were done and everything. And they all look really close. So I really hope that wasn't a lie. (laughs) And he has one of just um, the the actress who plays Kinsey and then the actor who plays Boyd. And they're like really like really happy and they look really. So that better not be fake. (laughs) Oh, If it's fake, I'm done. (laughs) Over it. Yeah, I'd be really sad if that was. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, I want to know, and I know it wasn't called Keyhouse Manor in the graphic novels, but what are your thoughts on the Keyhouse Manor? And do you think they should be staying in Keyhouse Manor? <laughs> All right, listen, I want to live in Keyhouse Manor with, with the caveat that I need a groundskeeper and a housekeeper because that is too much house. Yeah. But I love, 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 love that house. I They keep finding, I feel like they keep finding new rooms. Mm-hmm. Because there's a point where they're going upstairs. Oh, it's when Uncle Dunk is going to come stay with them because his uh, fiance is going to Japan. And so while he's waiting for him to return so that they can get married, Uncle Dunk moves into Key House for whatever. And Bodhi's upstairs, like, (laughs) rearranging furniture, (laughs) as a 10-year-old would do. Um, And so it's, you never see that particular part of the house until then. And there's, like, three or four rooms in that little area, because when they get, um, when they get Aaron out of the, like, psych hospital... Mm-hmm. and she comes to stay with them she's up there it's i feel like they're always finding new rooms in that house the exterior of it is gorgeous the grounds are gorgeous everything about it is beautiful i love that house i got really really excited when josh who is the history 
buff that Nina starts to get involved with. He works at the school where the kids go. He's he gorgeous. Has, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, wow. Slide there. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I thought he was gorgeous as the show. And I don't yeah. know. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's this really awkward scene because he has a miniature version of the house. He's basically got a dollhouse version, which we come to find out has the small world key and you can actually influence because there's a terrifying spider scene. Uh, and nope. Uh, bad whole spider. No. Yeah, I would live in Keyhouse Manor in a second, as long as I had a groundskeeper and a housekeeper and possibly a personal chef while I'm at it. <laughs> I'm just going to start adding more things, but I, I love it. I love the property. I love the aesthetic of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of those classic, you know, homes that will go down in history. I mean, it was called, <laughs> when they got there, Tyler was saying, oh, we're living at Bates, the Bates family. <laughs> and it's true. It is kind of reminiscent of that house, the Bates house. It is kind of, I mean, you know, go listen to our Bates Motel episode anyway. <laughs> and go watch that show. One of the best TV shows ever that nobody watched. It, did you watch that, Sasha? Go watch it. It's so fabulous. It's amazing. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I like it a lot. I don't know if I'd want to live there, though. I might want to visit and look around, but I wouldn't want to live there unless I was living there with a bunch of people because I think it'd be so big. It would get kind of lonely and creepy and you might forget about certain wings of the house and then go visit them later. And they're just covered in dust <laughs> and spiders everywhere. You need a housekeeper. I'll That's live true, there yes. and you can come visit me. There you go. You live there. I'll come visit you, Sasha. We'll, we'll have, and we'll go have ice parties cream. and we'll go have ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we'll go have ice cream. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, with the personal chef, it's fine. The only reason that I wouldn't live there is chandeliers, because we all know how I feel about oh, chandeliers. Yeah. That's so I'd right. have to have all of those removed. Get rid of the chandeliers. <laughs> or would you be okay if it was just one room that you never visited? That's yes. the chandelier room. Yes, it can be the chandelier room, and I'm going to put boards over it like big caution tape do not enter danger chandelier people nope <laughs> it's the chandelier room i like that chandelier room nope <laughs> screw that nope 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 where's carla when we need her <laughs> i know i'm like <laughs> we need some chandelier the chandelier people <laughs> if you don't know listeners this has been a thing since our donnie darko episode so go listen to our donnie darko episode it's a long it's one of our longest episodes but it's really good and that's when the chandelier thing came it came about it's a thing i don't know how else to explain it i'm sorry it's no, it's we a all thing. have our things we all have our things mine are bunnies but you know <laughs> mine makes more sense no i'm just kidding <laughs> It doesn't at all. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I don't know about that. Doesn't at all. There are bunnies everywhere where I live. They're all over the place out here. But yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I do I do like the Keyhouse Manor a lot. I just don't know if I'd want to live there. So Sasha will live there and I'll just go visit it. But yeah. And especially and we'll with the personal chef. And we'll go get ice cream. Yes. Yes. I do like that. I love the fact that you could use a key and just go get ice cream anytime you want. I'd also be like, oh, I feel like nachos. Let's go get nachos. I feel like some really spicy food. Let's go get some really spicy food. 
Yes. I, I haven't had dinner yet, so. <laughs> and we're going to wrap this episode up right now because Erin is leaving. <laughs> I don't know yet. Well, I had late lunch. It's fine. Uh, anyway. Okay. So now we're going to get into which key you would want. And I'm just going to list the keys here. And I'll just say a brief little bit because it probably, well, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched this show, I don't know. A lot of this stuff probably doesn't make sense to you anyway. Um, or if you haven't read the graphic novels. Well, there's the Anywhere key, which is the first one that's introduced in the show. It allows the user to travel anywhere in the world as long as they've seen the door they want to travel through, which is why Bodhi can go to the ice cream shop because he'd already been there. There's the mirror key, which is the second key that Bodhi Locke discovers and is entirely made up for the show, but it serves a few important purposes beyond being completely chill-inducing. Not only does it bring your reflection to life in the mirror, creepy smile, reflection included, but it also seems to beckon the user into its mirror world so it can trap them there in a sort of prison of the self. Um, the matchstick key like the name says, the key acts as a matchstick, allowing users to set fire to whichever location or thing they want by simply striking the key against it like you would a real matchstick. The head key, the key with the most iconic design, a key with a head for its handle, lets its user travel into a person's mind and explore their feelings, their subconscious, and their memories. The ghost key, this key allows the user to leave their physical form and exist solely as a spirit undetectable to human senses. The music box key, uh, it activates a magical music box, but it also allows a wielder to turn another person into their puppet by controlling their entire body. The plant, the plant key, this key doesn't feature in the comics that much, but within the show, we learn that the key activates a tree that has the kid's uncle and their father's brother, Duncan Locke's memories stored in its roots. The identity key, perhaps the most pivotal key of all, this one allows the user to change their appearance and change that of others as well. The mending key, um, this one works in tandem with the mending cabinet as broken objects must be locked inside so they can be fixed and once again emerge whole. It doesn't work on dead people. Nina learns that when she tries with uh, the ashes of her late husband, Rendell. Uh, the Omega key, this powerful key opens the black door, a portal to another realm where parasitic demon, demonic beings exist. The echo key, Ellie Whedon steals and secretly uses this key, which reveals its horrifying ability to bring people back from the dead, but as a former shadow of themselves, a.k.a. an echo. The shadow key, this must be placed in the crown of shadows, which then allows the wearer to control a host of shadow monsters. Time shift key, the most Bodhi's use of this temporal door opener thrust him back in time to the 18th century. The bestiary key, like the time shift key, the animal key is pretty self-explanatory, turns the user to an animal. And then the snow globe key, Christmas in August, why the heck not? You hit all of the ones in season one. In season two, there's the Hercules key. Um, the Hercules key goes into a belt and then you can lift heavy things. That's how Bodhi was rearranging furniture. The small world key unlocks the miniature dollhouse version so they can do things the memory key oh, yeah. is what yeah, they use on themselves so that they can remember magic there's a chain key which literally you take out the key it goes into a lock and it shoots out a chain so you can trap somebody dodge who is the main bad demon has uncle dunk make a demon key so that they can change people into demons 
based on that, Tyler's girlfriend, Jackie, gets turned into a demon. Tyler then makes a key, the alpha key, to undo the demons and tragically learns that when you take the demon out, the person dies. That's how he loses the love of his life, Jackie. And then they also find, Kinsey finds the angel key that has like a harness and you put it in and you sprout wings and get to fly. And then in season three, the other two keys are the Harlequin key, which goes into the lockbox, which becomes pivotal on how they are going to save the keys from Gideon and the British soldiers who are trying to get a hold of them. Because the uh, it's like a footlocker box. What are those called? Hope chest mm-hmm. kind of box yeah. um, is indestructible by magic. And so you can only open it with the Harlequin key. And then the final key is the creation key. So that's the rest of them. That's right. See, I thought it was missing some. And I was like, I should just go to the wiki fan page. But instead, I decided to just use this article. <laughs> yep. And he was going to skip some. So anyway, which key would you want then? I want the head key. I want the head key. And uh, I don't know if I would want the head key if psychology was not my passion, but because it's so ingrained in who I am, the head key is super intriguing. And I want to know what the inside of my head looks like because I picture it as a cross between the inside of Nina's and the inside of Aaron's where it's like, so Aaron is one of the original key keeper friend of Rendell's. She gets trapped in her head and it, inside her brain is kind of like a rundown version of the school that mm-hmm. they attended. Yeah. It's, you know, there's lots of dead leaves, there's trees growing through windows. So it's got a very like, um, I, I'm going to call it dark academia kind of feel like that aesthetic. And then Nina's head is like walking into a antique store with all the best stuff. Again, there's a lot of chandeliers in there, (laughs) but you know, there's like those old um, apothecary dressers, like drawers full of stuff. There's suitcases and it, you know, they're labeled like Aruba trip or whatever vacation they went on or the suitcases. And so it's a very cool kind of look of things and I always joke when there's something bad in my brain what I do is I put it in an envelope and I put that in a file and then I stick it in a folder and then it goes into a filing cabinet and then it gets wrapped up in chains and then it gets put in a big cement block and then it gets dropped into the recesses of a well in the back of my brain I want to see what that actually looks like Hmm. so that's why I want the head key no, I like that. And I, that was on my list of maybes, but then I was like, no, I actually think that would be really difficult for me personally to go into other people's heads. I just, the way I am and who I am as a person, I think it would be too difficult for me. And I don't want to go into anybody else's head, just mine. Oh, just yours. Because that's a huge invasion of privacy. Oh yeah. Like, well, yeah. If you invited me in, maybe, but I think that would be a little weird. That's I just true. want it for mine because I really want to see what that file cabinet encased in concrete dropped down a dark well looks like. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes it. I wouldn't want to go inside my own head either. So that's probably, yeah, that's probably why, that's why I chose not to do that one. And so I did choose the anywhere key. I know that's like, you know, but I just would love to be able to do that. The only thing that I don't like about the anywhere key is that you can't actually go anywhere. That has to be a place that you've seen the door of before. But I, I, you know, but you can see doors in other ways without actually being there. So I would want that one. 
because then anytime I wanted ice cream <laughs> or nachos. Remember, Bodie asked Rufus, send me a picture of your door. That's what so I mean. That I can you don't, see yeah. the door. Yeah. And so then he was able to go visit Rufus. And didn't Dodge looked at a computer? Yes. For an image. So as long as you can Google a door, if you Google it on the YouTube, you can achieve it. <laughs> that's that's no, I know, I know. It's just I, I that would be the only thing is like but the other the other drawback to it would be if you were to Google that picture and you have in your head, oh, this is gonna be amazing, and you go there and it's like the most horrific thing in the world. That would be that's a drawback with the anywhere key is you never know exactly what you're gonna get unless you've already been in there and you know the place and you feel safe. So if you do just Google, you're taking chances, but I'd still want to do it. Yeah, I, I that's that's the one I would want. Okay, now I want to know, because um, the series ended with this last season. Season three was the final season. Who knows? Maybe some... I actually think it'd be interesting if they did, like, a movie or something. But, um, like, they planned on doing before. So, Sasha, did you like how the series ended? I like the way that they ended it. I think... So, they were supposed to have four seasons. And then they found out it was going to be three. I am glad that they were able to wrap it up and end it. And that it didn't just end with the anticipation of a fourth season so mm -hmm. we got closure i like the closure that we got i totally understand like they wanted to do away with the keys it was too much and it was i get why tyler wanted to destroy the keys once they figured out oh this closes the portal demons are bad we nobody wants demons running around they cause chaos they mess up your floorboards <laughs> they gotta go um so i get like why they did it i totally understand bodhi wanting to use the time shift key and i'm so glad that all of them used the time shift key to go back and spend an afternoon with rendell and just be like hey here's what we did here's what we're doing this is how it's going to work mm -hmm. and so they all got that closure with their dad that they didn't have because he was murdered so i really loved that scene i love that it was a cohesive end um and that it didn't it wasn't just a show that got canceled and then you never know how mm -hmm. it plays out um i think in the graphic novels the house actually gets destroyed and so i'm glad that they didn't do that and that they kept the house yeah that would have been kind of sad to see and they decided to stay there so yeah yeah. And I'm glad that Tyler wanted to keep the memories because he had originally let them go. And so then they locked his memories in and Bodhi. so that the family gets to remember, mm -hmm. but they didn't use it on the Savinis. So the Savinis were going to lose it, um, but it stayed with the Locke family because mm -hmm. it's part of their legacy. Yeah. No, I liked that, too. I thought that that was important, I think. Because yeah. if they had all lost it, then it would have been for nothing. I mean, everything they'd done would have been for nothing and everything they went through. Yeah, it just, what would the point have been? So I like, I I am satisfied with the ending. I am not like, oh my God, that was garbage. Why would you do that? I am satisfied with it. I feel like it was good closure. I feel like it wrapped it all up in a nice, neat little bow. And even though it's not like a happy, happy ending, it is a happy ending as much as they could do in that world. Mm hmm. Yeah. And as much happiness could happen for the family at that time, too, I think, too. Yeah. No, I liked it a lot. I cried 
<laughs> but I cried very easily. But I cried when 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 they went and and they and they visited Rendell. I you know I mean it it is sad, but I think it's important that he won't remember any of that because you are doing that time shift thing. If he were to remember that, then he would know he's going to die, and then that would just mess everything up. Um. So yeah. So I I I really did. I liked the ending a lot. I. You know, it's funny because I'd gone on IMDb and I swear they had said there were 10 episodes in the last season. And I don't know if that's an error on the on the thing, but I thought that and I'm like, something big is about to happen then because this is just episode eight. What's going on? Why is it just like, OK, it's like everything seems to be wrapping up and then it didn't play the next one. And I must have read something different because there aren't 10 episodes on IMDb. I just looked again. I don't know where I got that from. So I'm, I'm watching it today. I just watched the finale today. And so I'm watching it and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? There's got to be some big cliffhanger. And then, you know, it ends, they go in the house and then you do hear whispers. You do hear the whispers and stuff. But still, I was like, oh, this must really be the end. And then it was the end. <laughs> I was like, what's going to happen? This, this, because it was like, this feels like an ending episode. And it's even called Farewell. And it's not, you know, so anyway, but, but I, yeah, the scene between the whole family and them getting that closure with their dad, because for anyone who's lost anyone or doesn't have, you know, connection with a family member, to be able to have that closure and it be so beautiful and perfect. And I loved how there wasn't like a moment of hesitation from Rendell. There was never like this moment of what the hell's going on? You didn't have that. I mean, you didn't have the time. You didn't have the time to have that, of course. So plot wise, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. But it also was just nice to have and be like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on. And just accept it and sit down. And they even are laughing and they had this beautiful last hug and then the dad is gone because they're back in present day and it's just the four of them hugging each other. And it was just a really beautiful thing. And then uh, Nina saying she's going to build the greenhouse and um, you know, lots of hope there, but you know, it's one of those endings. Like we've talked about a few of those endings recently where it's very satisfying as is, but it also leaves room there that if you were to ever revisit this, if you were to ever do a movie, there is an opening there because you do hear the whispers. Yes, they have gotten rid of the keys, but that doesn't mean that everything is gone. You can kind of see that, that that magic still stays there. The fantastical still stays there and it's still there. And they still have the memories of that. And I think that was pretty essential because, like I said, that would what would have been the point if they would have just all forgotten them? Unless they were definitely coming back for another season. It would have made no sense to do that. So I liked that a lot. So I, I was satisfied with it overall. I thought it was a really good ending. It made me cry. So <laughs> had the points to them for making me cry. <laughs> okay. Well, it is time to play Six Degrees of Finwit Rock. And I know Sasha is playing. So I'm very happy. I'm very excited to hear how she connected Finn to lock and key so sasha how did you connect finn okay so this is this is a trippy ride but just go with me for a minute here all right so joe hill wrote lock and key mm -hmm. also wrote black phone which stars ethan hawk mm -hmm. who was in first reformed with amanda seyfried 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 
who was in A Mouthful of Air, with Finn for the win. <laughs> Finn for the win. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I, I tried like six different ways trying to make it work, trying to make it work. I yeah. like that. I like that. So, yeah. And, that, was and my, using... that was my six. And it was Ethan Hawke because I've been doing a lot of his stuff lately. So it worked out well. Yes. And I, I know, I mean, Sasha and I had a different conversation about the movie Sinister. Everybody knows I love that movie. We had a conversation about it. She wasn't... <laughs> She she wasn't a fan. I I think it's an amazing movie, but I she also <laughs> she also watched by the same people. Although it is for, it is from a Joe Hill story, uh, the Black Phone. I know she just recently watched that. I recommended it on our Sinner episode, the mm -hmm. Sinner. So please go listen to that episode. Go watch that movie if you like horror. And also remember, big trigger warning for child abuse. So just know that because and alcoholism too. Mm -hmm. so just big trigger warnings on that but i like it a lot i don't think it's scary but i do like it i mean it's horrific stuff but it didn't scare me mm -mm. um but i like that one a lot and i think ethan hawk is amazing in that and i think no matter what i think ethan hawk is one of the best additions to horror lately i just want to say i love we're going to be talking about the purge series later this year I happen to love this series. I know a lot of people don't. And I do like the first one. I know a lot of people think the sequels are better. We'll get into that later in, in October. But I'm a fan of the Purge series. And I liked him in that. I, I like him in Sinister. I know. He, he drove you nuts, Sasha. He wasn't a good guy. I just liked it was, there's just so many, like, I, I don't know what happened. We've discussed this. Yeah. I'm broken. <laughs> I'm so broken when it comes to horror and it kills me, but I am going to, I am taking Aaron's recommendation and I'm going to read a book. I'm going to read a horror book. I'm going to read a Dean Koontz book. I used to love Koontz and then I gave him up like in high school about the same time I gave up King and I, I'm going to go back and see if maybe book horror scares me still because movie horror, I just, there's too many loopholes. There's too many issues where I'm like, what do you, why, why are you, that's so illegal. Don't do that. What are you doing? You can't do that. Please stop. Don't know. Just that's illegal. Let's not. And I, suspension of disbelief is a struggle. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand. I, I do that. I mean, but yeah, yeah. I, I was very sad. I will say personally that you did not like Sinister. That because I love. I think that is the best. One of the best horror movies to come out in the past i, I know listen y'all i knew aaron raves about this movie and i saw i could watch it for free on peacock yeah, so on go peacock. Watch peacock. it's on peacock right now so i was like oh i'm gonna watch this movie because aaron's been talking about it and everybody says it's the best horror out there it's the scariest movie that exists I'm like sweet this is gonna be amazing i read something about like the person who wrote it wrote it after a nightmare that they woke up from yep. from watching the ring and that's how it came about. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be excellent. Super excited. I'm not even joking. The opening scene of that, when the they're cutting the tree branch, I'm like, you can't use that tool to do that. That will never cut through that branch. Oh, man. That will never cut through that but branch. they did that's all that stuff with practical. By the way, they did not use, like, it was all practical effects. So everything you well, see in there, they actually did. Yeah, they actually almost hung one of those actors. Yes. But the tool they used, you can't cut through a branch that big with. 
I know this because we have that tool and we were cutting trees this summer. So no, you need a legit chainsaw to do that. And I immediately went, fuck, I'm not going to finish this movie. And I, I was 20 minutes in, I texted Aaron I texted Aaron and went, is this a serial killer movie? Cause if it is, I'm in, but if this goes supernatural on me, I'm out. And I think about 15 minutes later, I think I made it about 40 minutes in when I can't do this. He keeps calling the detective, detective so-and-so. He does it like three times. I can't, I'm done. Sorry. It's and rant. So good. It's so good. Well, the last like nine minutes of that movie are so great. The twist in that movie, I think, is really, really good. And it's such a creepy, flippin' ending. And I just encourage you, Sasha, just go watch the end just to see what happens to Ethan Hawke's character. And I know, because I went and, like, I read the synopsis and went through everything. And when I read it, I was just going, well, of course, that's how it all freaking played out. And then I went, I was thinking about each scene. I was like, but that, whatever. Do your six degrees. Yeah, we got on a long tangent there. Sorry. Someday we will talk about the movie Sinister and Sasha's not allowed on that one. (laughs) Because I love that movie so damn much. (laughs) Okay, well, this is, I used Aaron Ashmore. So Aaron Ashmore was in the show Designated Survivor with Kiefer Sutherland who was in Flatliners with Julia Roberts, who was in The Normal Heart with Finn. And I also want to say, speaking of Kiefer Sutherland, we will also be talking about The Lost Boys in October. (laughs) Yes, I am so excited. So let me just give you a rundown really quickly. We have a few minutes here of what our upcoming horror month is going to look like. I think a lot of fans of Lock and Key probably... Maybe they like horror. I would assume they do. I don't know. So we are going to be kicking things off with we're going to be talking about Asian horror and Guillermo del Toro as well. Asian horror to me, that's um, you will not get a lot of release through that as far as like happy endings through a lot of Asian horror. Asian horror is really fucked up, but I mean that in the best way. Uh, Then we are also going to be talking about uh, vampires and sexuality So Meg, who is not a horror person, but she loves vampires, she will be on that one. So we will be talking about that. And then we're going to talk about The Lost Boys, of course. And then we are going to be talking about Child's Play. We're going to be talking about the Final Destination series. We're going to be talking about, like I said, the Purge series. And then we're also going to be talking about horror films that revolve around cults and involve cults in some sort of way. Uh, and I decided to put that one on there after rewatching. I'm going to shout out this movie again. I believe you can watch it on Shudder right now. Uh, this movie called The Invitation. Small little independent horror movie. I don't know if it would scare Sasha, but <laughs> it's because Sasha's broken. Yeah, it's very. It's the in the. It's just like oh, it's really creepy. I mean, it's creepy and builds. The creepiness keeps building, but Sasha may be broken, so she may not like. <laughs> listen i know i've said it before and i will continue to say it if somebody can help me get fixed where horror movies scare me again i'd really appreciate it but anyway if you want to play the listener version of six degrees of finn whitrock (laughs) back to that um head on over to our website it's a fandomthingpod.com click the page titled six degrees of finn whitrock and for september and as a reminder these are all things that we've covered on the show so you can just click on these and listen to the episodes but for September, they, we have BoJack Horseman, 
Promising Young Woman, Superstore, and Scare Me by the amazing Josh Rubin. We always want to give Josh Rubin a shout out and congratulations again. I know we've said it before, but we're still going to congratulate you because you are our it couple, our Hollywood couple, Josh Rubin and Lauren Sick recently got married. So congratulations again to them. And they are on our Donnie Darko episode that we mentioned earlier. So go back and listen to that one to find out about chandeliers as well. Um, <laughs> so head on over there if you want to play that for a chance to win some merch. And then also while you're on the page, click on the second annual horror trivia event link to sign up. We are only doing four weeks that kicks off in October. So that should be a ton of fun. Uh, we are asking for a $5 donation. If you are a Patreon supporter though, before you sign up, that is waived. All that money though, will go to a, a Black Lives Matter organization and stop Asian hate organization. So you are doing good with that money. It should be a ton of fun. I'm excited. The categories are going to be for the first night. It's 80s horror, then television horror, then women in horror, and then something I'm calling Devil's Brew, which is basically just a lot of random horror mixed together. And that will be the grand finale night. And that is on the Friday, Friday the 27th. It's like before Halloween, right before Halloween. So anyway, head on over there. We're going to go ahead and close out. We've gotten on a long tangent here, I feel like, but we're going to go ahead and close out. And Sasha, you want to let everybody know where they can find you and they can send you things to unbreak your brain. Yep. Send me all the spooky unbreak Sasha's brain things uh, over on the Instagram at vegan geek chick. Seriously, uh, good horror, good books, movies, like something that's going to scare me knowing that Sinister I turned off because it was not my thing. <laughs> yes, come on. Yeah, so help me out people also uh you can get the link there to my dumb dog who barked and interrupted us earlier uh undewey has an instagram page so you can see his shenaniganry i'm kind of slacking right now now that i'm back in a school but i'll try and pick it back up my dumb dog sorry <laughs> i just laugh every time you say that for some reason but this is aaron you can follow me on twitter at e april beauty the e and the a and the b are capitalized Come and tell me how wrong Sasha is about Sinister and come rave about Sinister with me. Because <laughs> as true horror fans, sorry, Sasha. I'm just hey, kidding. Now, I'm just kidding. I love me some horror. I, I just know. happen to be broken. I know. It's, I'm just kidding. It's time. a problem. I'm working <laughs> on it. But you can follow me over there. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, anybody involved with Lock and Key, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. Go over to It's a Fandom Thing Pod.com, hit the contact us. That'll shoot me an email and we can talk about possibly sitting down for an interview. I am very proud of my interviews. I have a hard time tuning my own horn for a lot of things, but this I will. Uh, and next week, we are going to be talking about two Timothy Oliphant shows. So I'm calling it the Timo weekend. <laughs> we are going to be talking about Justified and Deadwood. I love Tim O. I love him, love him, love him. <laughs> so I'm excited to be gushing about him. Tanya will be joining me. 
Meg may or may not be there for those, but Tanya will be there. So it should be a ton of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.